0: Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us Spark of rebellion Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion your weekly Star Wars show where myself and my good friend Mr. Mark Asquith round up the latest in Star Wars news reviews, some general discussion and our famous random spotlight my name's Gary. And with me, as always, is the man himself, Mr. Mark Asquith. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm very good, sir. Thank you so much for asking. I'm, uh, I'm all good, having some internet woes today, as we just discussed before we started recording. So it's, uh, it's like this is ultimate first world problems. But other than that, brother, we're doing very well.
0: Technical gremlins, eh? It's the, <laughs>
1: you know uh, it.
0: Yeah, it's the one thing that... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of a, a really good Star Wars uh pun or a joke about little things like that but it escapes me at the moment but let's just say that uh the controls on the millennium falcon haven't quite been tuned this week <laughs> <laughs> someone's put a compressor on the hyperdrive i tell you what mate <laughs> it's all those uh pushes and and pulls and of all the switches that have just <laughs> overloaded it <laughs> uh, i'm glad you're well buddy all good i uh, hope you guys are well our listeners hope you've had a, a good week and uh uh, you've you've kept abreast of all the Star Wars news. We're going to run through uh, a few of those bits uh, coming up. Uh, we've also got a really, really cool um, interview uh, that we conducted with Mark Ramsey from the recently released Inside Star Wars podcast. We had a really good chat with him, so we're going to plug that in a little bit later. That will be part of our uh, review and discussion segment. Uh, and then we've got a very, uh, again, a very cool, quirky little uh, random spotlight Uh, section to go through. Uh, Before we uh, crack on with all that, uh, remember to check out where we are over on the interwebs. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. You'll find us on there somewhere. Give us a like and a follow there. And if you like what you hear and like to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. You can find various tiers there of support and you can bag yourself some cool swag and get the episodes early and if we get up to uh, enough uh, sponsors or patrons should I say uh, on a weekly or monthly basis we're going to do another show put some more content into your ears so there will be loads of Star Wars stuff for you to listen each and every week Uh, but at the moment uh, just subscribe on whichever podcast app you like to use just give us a, a subscribe on there so you don't miss a show when it lands every Saturday. So let's dig into some news my man yeah, uh, we've got a few little bits to rattle through first up old George, Mr. Lucas. he's uh, he's been on he's been on some interviews to defend the prequels again. It seems to be a a, a couple of years, every couple of years there's a, an article that surfaces somewhere where somebody wanted to chat to George and say, George, the prequels they were crap, weren't they? And then he comes back and says, well, actually, they weren't because of x, y, and Z and this time. He's confirmed, as he's done a few times, that the prequels were intended for kids, or 12-year-olds, as he put it. So adults, if you were disappointed by The Phantom Menace and the other prequels, it's your own fault because you weren't a kid when you saw it. What do you reckon? <laughs> That's a
1: smooth way of putting it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's an interesting point. I was I read that piece earlier this week, and, and, and the, the point that he makes is really interesting. You know, someone that was... 10, 11, 12 years old in in original Star Wars era was seeing that as a 12-year-old. And, you know, they were viewing the prequels through the lens of then being a 30-something-year-old or a 20-something-year-old. Essentially, they weren't 12 anymore. Um, So, you know, if if you listen to, uh, this is just very timely, but if you listen to episode three of Inside Star Wars, he talks to um, Andy Ladd, who's the guy from, I forget, the studio. Um, Fox. No. It was Fox. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Fox. And he says that, you know, George Lucas says that, you know, this is this is a, a movie that's intended to give kids hope and the, the operative word there being kids. And <laughs> yeah, you know, the prequels, you look, at them, you look at them through the lens of a child and they're actually full of awe and wonder. How are kids supposed to get on with all that political guff? I have no idea. But pod racing, Jar Jar Binks, the fact that you've got, You've got a, basically an invincible space wizard. You know, it, it's all it's all there for kids. I get that completely. So I understand his point uh, completely. And But I, I do just wonder, like, the, the, the whole point of that was, surely if you're going to make something as big as Star Wars, that you know that is a prequel to something that was such a big deal, surely you just kind of take that into account that the original fans have gotten a little bit older. So maybe old George was... Was it, maybe that's a misstep on his part, but the defense is sound, and I can see the logic behind it. You know, we've grown up, and 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 we uh, we we see things a little bit differently. But yeah, maybe maybe old Georgie got got things just a tad wrong by not appreciating that those those original fans had grown up, and maybe he should have catered for those guys as well. Um, but I don't know. What about you? What do you think, dude?
0: Yeah, I think I mean, I'm I'm certainly don't disagree with what he's saying. Uh, because he's gone on record over the years to say that even with the original trilogy films that he what he aimed all that at kids predominantly. So I, I don't disagree with him or or challenge his, his, his thought process on that. But I also agree with what you're saying as well, when you're going to put that much political um, narrative in there that runs alongside all the cool stuff like the Force and the characters and lightsabers, all that stuff that kids are into you kind of, there's a bit of a trade-off, isn't there? You can't have the adult aspect of the political side and then say, well, actually, it's for children. You know, so there there is a little bit of an imbalance in the force there, a little bit, in my opinion. But I kind of see what he's saying. You know, if you're going to go into Star Wars as an adult, just bear in mind that it's mainly for a younger audience. So if you were disappointed with all that stuff that, you know, lots of people did complain about, then just bear that in mind. But, you know. Who's, who's going to listen to that? No, no one's going to sit there in a in a cinema and think, I, "I'm not really liking this." But you know, it's all good because it's for kids. You know, when you're in the moment and you're watching the film, it's you know you, you're into it. And Star Wars fans are really they'll you know they'll they'll tell you <laughs> when they don't like it. So, regardless if it's aimed at kids or not, they're always going to tell you. So, yeah, but it's good to hear George actually speaking about it, though. I'd hate to think that he would just disappear. You know that once once he's finished up on rise of skywalker and he obviously doesn't have any involvement with with disney that he would disappear into the shadows so it's great that he's still actually talking about it so yes
1: there we go i agree my man it's uh, it, it's it's always interesting to look back through through the, the i guess through the the tinted glasses of age and see what has changed and you know you see films differently like there are certain films you should never rewatch as an adult because they will just become significantly worse as that adult. Um, So, you know, maybe this is something to to consider as well. Yeah, it's a funny old one, isn't it? But yeah, it's interesting to see him harping on about the prequels. Like you said, every few years, someone brings it up. And uh, I think he's going to have that until the day he dies, sadly.
0: Indeed, mate. Yes. So if you're over the age of 12, just take heed. Uh, Moving on, the uh, Galaxy's Edge stuff that's been dominating all of the social media stuff around Star Wars over the last week or two because it's now opened up to the public and we had that cool uh, little ceremony with the 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 Mark... It, it, a lot of people put it on Twitter, look like some old bar band, like a pub band because you had Mark Hamill in his shades and George Lucas and uh, Billy T. Williams and Harrison Ford and he was in shades as well and they looked like this really old... Sort of rocker band that are now doing pub gigs. <laughs> it's really funny. They were at Galaxy's Edge. They were doing the opening ceremony, and then everyone's been there. So they've been loads of. There have been loads of articles around what you can actually do and see. And one of the things that has been quite weird to look at is the food and drink that you can get while you were there. And they have not held back on the Star Wars universe treatment, even for the food and, and beverages. So you'd expect to see, obviously, strange and familiar, wonderful looking sets and ships and all that stuff. But I didn't realise they were going to go full hog on the food as well. I just assumed there'd be a Burger King tucked away in the corner or KFC or something. But nope, they have got bespoke food, which is themed from the Star Wars universe. And I'm going to pick out just a couple that I think are pretty cool. Obviously going to go to the alcohol first. And they've got something called the Ogre's Cantina, which is apparently the first place within Disneyland to serve alcohol. And uh, within the Star Wars universe, I suppose, this cantina, Ogre's Cantina, or Ogre's Cantina, uh, is a bit like, uh, you know, in A New Hope where they go and, you know, your droids will have to wait outside. And it's where the famous meeting between Han Solo, Chewie, and uh, Obi-Wan, and and Luke. Uh, You can get some... Some interesting drinks there. There's uh, there's something called the Jedi Mind Trick, the Fuzzy Tauntaun, the <laughs> the Best Bin Fizz, uh, the Outer Rim, the T eighteen Skyhopper, uh, and uh, to name a few. Another one that's probably my favourite, the Bloody Rancor. So <laughs> if you were to, if you want to go to Galaxy's Edge and get smashed, and then not remember any of it, and then wake up and realise you've Made a horrible mistake and wasted all that money. Because, and now you don't remember it because you, you were drunk out your face. The Cantina is the place to go. They actually do look pretty cool, but I'm not sure on the taste. They sound like sugary mess to me. And uh, the last one is the milk stand. We spoke about the blue milk recently on the Random Spotlight. So now you can go and get uh, blue or green milk, depending on what your flavour is, A New Hope or The Last Jedi. And it will set you back a few bucks. But yeah, you can get the the famous blue milk.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently the green milk is not so good according according to that article. Um, the one that <laughs> caught my eye was Ronto Roasters, um, where the Ronto wraps are cooked. On the top of a large pod racing engine, which I thought was a really nice detail. Those kind of bits. Uh, they've gone really gone all out on this one. And uh, the, the, the food is just, I mean, it's just basic American food. You know, there's a lot of fruit in there as well, which is um, exactly the opposite of basic American food. But it, there's a lot of barbecue stuff in there. There's a lot of extremely good looking, high calorie, amazing food um, some of the kind of the ribs that are on there and just everything just looks like you just want to try it. Uh, but the, the one that caught my, eye, like I said, was Ronto roasters just because it's cooked on, on the engine of a pod race and it looks absolutely fantastic. Pure carbolicious, big stodgy food. That's right up my street, mate.
0: <laughs> it sounds like that's the thing that you have after you've got smashed in the cantina.
1: Yeah, that's when you're walking back. You're walking (laughs) back to Uncle Owen's little hut. You're like, I need to stop at a kebab shop. And like, well, why am I going to Ronto's?
0: I'm going to (laughs) Ronto's. That sounds... Actually, I'm not being sarcastic. That does sound awesome.
1: Don't it, Justin? It It really does. does. Yeah.
0: So when you let's go to Galaxy... Well, when we finally go to Galaxy's Edge at some point, we'll report back on how these things taste and, and measure up. So there we go. Check out some of the cool stuff over there. And then the last bit of news we have is... Uh, somebody over at Lucasfilm has debunked a, a popular fan theory that's been uh, gaining some traction over the last few weeks. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's kind of obvious when you think about it, but if you're not into the, the details as much as, uh, obviously, the people from Lucasfilm, then it was a bit of a, oh, yeah, of course. So uh, the uh, Twitter user WhatGirl um, put this uh, question out Uh, to pablo hidalgo who's part of lucasfilm and said uh, what's this rumor doing around that han uh, was actually had a a bit of a slice on the side and is potentially ray's dad and he replied and said replied pretty quickly and said Nope, that doesn't work. It doesn't fit with the timeline because Han and Leia were together up until about five years before The Force Awakens, before it went all to beep, and Rey is 19. So if you do the maths while Han and Leia were together, five years before, they're about 10 years out. Ish. 10 years out? Yeah, Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, Yeah. it just doesn't
1: fit because Leia fell pregnant with little Ben solo in almost immediately after Return of the Jedi. Um, it was, you know, because Ben's 30 in The Force Awakens. Um, yes. So yeah, that, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And I'm kind of glad about that as well, because, you know, you don't want to posthumously make Han look like a bit of a tool, do you? You know, that's... <laughs> and I know it would have been a whole, yeah, well, you know, they, they broke up and blah, 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 but still... He was is a pretty beloved character. It would have been a little bit off to uh, sully his reputation like that. I think,
0: absolutely, man. I know he's meant to be a bit of a rogue and a bit of a nerf herder, but you don't want to really taint his reputation with you know something as yeah. I mean, there's, there's also the question around Ray's parentage because for a long time, during and shortly after, uh, sorry, a long time after the Force Awakens, people were still asking who's raised parents and what what's her significance because she's a force user. You know, she must be a daughter of somebody like the Skywalker, you know, something like that. And I think it's kind of cool that she's she doesn't have to be from one of those families that, you know, are with the force. It's just kind of cool that she's just this loner who was ditched by a family, just happens to be with the force or a force user. So, yeah, I think from that respect as well, this makes sense. And also, it, like I said, it was a rumor that was going round and round for ages. I saw a few tweets of people picking this up and, and other tweets, and so it's good that the um, that Lucasfilm have actually nixed this before. There's all that speculation that runs riot before the, because otherwise you get that you get that sense of uh, Chinese whispers throughout the internet, which is always happens where it almost becomes fact, even when it's not, just because you know, thousands of people across social media, internet say it is, it almost becomes fact. So it's cool that, that Lucasfilm has stepped in and, and, uh, and just put their foot down say, no, this is not what it is.
1: I think that's a good thing as well, because that's, that's how you end up with the backlash that The Last Jedi got when, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's widely regarded that, you know, Rey is a, Kenobi or a Skywalker or a Solo or a Jin, or a whatever, you know. And it's, when, like you said, when there's that much of a critical mass that people just believe it as a de facto truth and then it's not, you get a lot of complete upset and a lot of unjustified hatred just because it's not what people had set themselves up to believe in. And it's it's, it's refreshing that, that Hidalgo and the story team are coming out and doing this sort of thing. I think it's good for the fandom. I think it's good for the story. I think it's good for the Star Wars brand because, you know, the internet wasn't around when the prequels were around or the original trilogy. And, you know, we, we wouldn't have had that back in the day. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing. But having said that, you know, <laughs> this is J.J. Abrams and George Lucas has been involved. You know, you've got one that likes tinkering and that knows the characters as well as anyone, in fact, better than anyone ever. And then you've got someone that is the ultimate fan service guy. Mm, I'd, I'd see some change in Ray's future. Let's just say.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree with that one, mate. You never, you were never know, dear, until it's in front of your eyeballs and and you're soaking it in. So,
1: yeah. Exactly, and you make a, you do make a great point though. Like I said about about. Um, you never know until it's right in front of you, and you're watching it. And and I think we've just all got to remember that when we're kicking off about stuff online about uh, some of our favourite franchises. You know, we all saw what happened with the Last Jedi.
0: <laughs> we all remember the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to do for news. Uh, now we're going to move on to our review and discussion, and we've got so we've got a really cool thing to plug in here. We we chatted to. Mark Ramsey yesterday, um, who is the uh, the guy that's launched the Inside Star Wars podcast recently, is from the uh, Wondery uh, group, and it's one of those. If you if you're familiar with Wondery, uh, they do a, f- a really cool high um, production quality range of uh, different shows, loads of different shows, and Mark has produced a few of uh, what's known as the Inside. Um, podcast they've they've done previous ones for i think it's the exorcist uh inside the exorcist inside jaws i think and there's another one or two and uh essentially it's a it's a way of going back in time and looking at how george lucas got into filmmaking his early life how he got involved in the movie industry itself and those connections, his ideas for Star Wars, how he got that up and running, and the people that were involved around him. So, uh, the other key people like some of the producers, um, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, all those sorts of people. And it's a real. It, it's not a. It's not a, a documentary or a, a docudrama of or any. It's like a. It's almost almost like a real world telling. So it's got like this really nice uh, background incidentals and music and other people. So. It's just a fantastic podcast and we were very fortunate to bag some time with him and uh, yeah, we had a good chat, didn't we, with him? It was it was really good.
1: Yeah, it's really, really interesting and uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things where you, we, we saw it launch and we talked about it last week and I'm a big fan of what the Wondery guys do anyway. I'm fortunate enough to have spent some time with them at a few of the podcasting events that, that we go to with, with my other kind of podcast industry hat on and it's... It's always insightful to see what they do. You know, the Business Wars stuff that they do, um, the Justin Long stuff that they do, um, all of the kind of work and effort that they put into this, to see that applied to Star Wars is fantastic. And, you know, it, it, we've been very fortunate to get a bit of a preview of all of the episodes and be able to get early access to them as part of the Sparker Rebellion kind of press, um, press kit, if you like. And they're just wonderful. They're just wonderful. And, and this week, episode three was released. So please go and check it out. Please go and check out InsideStarWars.com or go and listen to Inside Star Wars on your podcast app. And let's uh, let's bring Mark in. Mr. Mark Ramsey, welcome to Spark of Rebellion. How are you, sir? Hey, I am so excited to be with you guys. Thanks so much for the invite. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thanks so much for, number one, being a fellow podcast geek and number two, being a fellow Star Wars geek. And, 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 and from Gary and I just want to say congratulations, first of all, on the launch. We couldn't have asked for a better inside follow-up than inside Star Wars. And uh, just, I guess just before we get into, into the show itself, like, what about Mark Ramsey? Like, what's your background? Tell us a little bit about you. For the, for the guys that don't know you, tell us a little bit about your podcasting background and well, and your Star Wars background.
2: Uh, gosh, my, my Star Wars background is actually in the final episode of the series. Um, so uh, you can look forward to that. I actually close with this with my Star Wars background. In terms of podcasting and audio, I've really been in the audio space all my career. I've worked with broadcasters. I've worked with now podcasters. And some time ago, two, three years ago, um, I had this notion that audio wasn't really being leveraged um, the way it is leveraged for film and television. That talk to film and TV people, especially people in the horror world, for example, and they'll tell you that, oh, my, you know, take the soundtrack off of the movie Halloween. What do you have? You have half a movie. So the audio really creates much of the effect that you hear in a, in a movie like that. And I thought, well, podcasting's, you know, a fine space, but what am I hearing? I'm hearing a lot of uh, news shows. I'm hearing a lot of repurposed television shows. I'm hearing a lot of, you know, buddies doing podcasts with their buddies. I'm hearing a lot of sports shows. I'm hearing a lot of true crime shows that are, you know, Kind of delivered with uh, uh, they they get the documentary facts down, but there's no drama. And I thought, where are the movies in the world of audio? Um, that's really what the Inside series was meant to uh, address. And when we started with Inside Psycho, it wasn't so much uh, the making of the movie Psycho as it was taking that making of the movie and turning it into a movie. So it's really a movie about the people who made the movie. That's what that was, that's what Inside the Exorcist was, that's what Inside Jaws was last year, and that's what Inside Star Wars is now. And we've just been thrilled. It's had a great debut. Um, it, was, it debuted in the top ten. I think it was at number six for a while. Um, only two episodes are out, so that's a pretty good performance considering we've got two of, of seven plus a bonus episode with Brian J. Johnson, the author of the George Lucas biography. So it's great. It's, I guess, number two in uh, TV film right now, right behind um, uh, Chernobyl. So uh, it's performing great, and I'm excited for everybody to hear more.
1: Well, again, congratulations. It's interesting that you you, you make the... You make the comparison between movies because the, the whole audio drama scene is just exploding right now. You know, you've seen podcasting entering such a um, such a, a modern era. You know, like you said, it's, it's, it's moved on from perhaps where it was five, six, seven, ten years ago. And it's really moving into high production values. And I think it's super interesting to see the things that... We're all interested in getting the treatment that they deserve whether it's Star Wars psycho jaws or anything else that that, that anyone is interested in so yeah again, congratulations on that now Gary, I know you had a, a question um, about where this came from you know why Star Wars what, what was the background to that guys? Tell us a little bit about that question and, and let's see what uh, what the answer is
0: yeah so first of all mark um yeah but Mark and I were only uh, two episodes into inside Star Wars and uh, so far it's just a, a real uh, cause there's, there's been plenty of material out over the years, uh, various mm-hmm. books and so on and the making of star Wars and all that stuff that dive into the, uh, the, the origins of, of when George first, you know, when he was working on other movies back in, you know, way before star Wars and he had those little ideas and, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But they always seem very, well, they, they do seem very f- like you're reading just a fact sheet. You know, you, you're going through the motions, you're seeing the dates and the times and, and the people that he spoke to, um, in in terms of the the style that you've done this in with Inside, it, it, it's obviously in the same uh, the same vein, if you like, as the Inside the Exorcist and and those previous shows that you did, um, which which scared the pants off of me, by the way. So thanks for, <laughs> for a couple of years ago scaring me to death. Um, what made you think? Okay, so w- why is the story of George Lucas the, the the next focus for our series? What what makes his story and the story of Star Wars so interesting to everybody outside of what they've already written Oh already read? Sorry.
2: Well, I think the, the the answer to the question is that um, so much of what's been written, it's like I see people sometimes and they're saying, well, you know what's the let me watch the documentary about the making of Star Wars, or let me listen to the director's commentary track about the making of Star Wars. Those things have been done a million times over a million years, right? There have been a million books written. All of this stuff is out there in the ether. Uh, But it's never really been translated to audio in a way that tells a larger story. Anytime you prepare to do a project like this, you've got to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why is this worth doing? You know, what is this? And it's not about, well, nobody's ever told, you know, Star Wars story with sound effects. It's what is the larger story that makes this project worthwhile? Each of these series have had that story. You know, for Inside uh, Psycho, the first one, um, that was a story where... Um, Hitchcock had done all these amazing things. And then he did this project that was like light years more successful than anything he had done prior. And suddenly he was left with the problem that he can't duplicate it. You know, what do you do? In other words, the question is, what do you do when something you do works so well that you can't do anything else like it? And all these young upstarts are circling around you, you know, doubling down on your success and you can't do it. You're the master. You can't do it. That's a really interesting story to build a series around. In this case, to me, it was the question of, okay, what happens when you invest 40 years of your life in something, and then you have to say goodbye to it? What does that mean? You know, what does that do to you? Mm -hmm. One of the questions that the Lucas biographer, Brian J. Johnson, uh, asked, I asked him, I said, what would you ask George if you could ask him something now? And his answer was, are you happy? And I said, I think that's a great question. I tried to tackle that in the series, in fact, because once he moved from a world of Star Wars, he moved to a world of family. And so suddenly he was placed in the position of recognizing that maybe this is what made him happiest all along. That's a story. That's a story at the beginning, a middle, and an end. And in between, we have other stories along the way. We have the story of Peter Cushing, who is an amazing you know, story uh, associated with uh, Star Wars relating to the loss of his wife. We have Alec Guinness, who uh, was notoriously grumpy, and we bring all that notorious grumpiness to full effect in this series. Um, We have the backstory of Harrison Ford, and I think most notably, perhaps, we have the story of Carrie Fisher. And if you get through all seven episodes, what you're going to hear is her beginning, her middle, and her untimely end, all displayed throughout this series. And I think as I listen back on it, sometimes you know you make something and you don't realize what you've made until you listen back to it and it's really kind of a uh, a love letter to Carrie Fisher her 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 her, her unfortunate upbringing her uh, rollicking experiences <laughs> making the film and her legacy her, her untimely death and her legacy that is really kind of resonates even now today one of the comments that, Lucas makes in at the end of this, this series is you can see your impact today every time you go to uh, a protest where women are fighting for something bigger than themselves. You see the posters of Carrie Fisher. You feel the impact of Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia. That's the iconic impact of something that's bigger than one movie and bigger than a story about a movie. And that is one of the main reasons why this series... Matters and why I'm so excited for people to get to episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's super interesting the legacy that they're not only of
1: the movies but the parallels that you draw with 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 Carrie Fisher's life and, and the impact
2: that that's had on on everyone as you said up to up to the modern era and yeah. at any in, protest. You know what's funny it's it's like in in many ways the legacy of the movie itself is around us everywhere. We don't need reminders or descriptions of that legacy. We don't need to understand how episode 4 became ep- became 9 episodes, became, you know, an attraction at Disneyland, uh, became spin-off movies, became merchandise. We don't need that. We know that. All of that we know. What we don't know is how these people were changed by their interaction with that film. That's what we don't know. How their lives were changed for the better, how their lives were changed for the worse, how their lives were just inextricably altered because they brushed up against this thing that became this uh, franchise, I guess is almost too small a word for it. Um, This experience, this life-changing experience, Um, and not a life-changing experience just for them, but also for the, I mean, one of the main things I want to do with this series was Remind people why they fell in love with the franchise in the first place. Because it's easy to look at what's in the cinema, look and see there's Solo out, there's Episode 9 out, there's Galaxy's Edge out. Great. Okay, so all these things are out in the ether. But wait a minute. The more of this stuff that's out there, kind of the more dull you get to it, you know? Uh, the enthusiasm for Episode 9 is not going to be the enthusiasm for Episode 1 after 10 years, right? It's just not going to be the same. (laughs) Um, The enthusiasm for Star Wars spinoffs is not going to be what the enthusiasm is for the, uh, you know, the original nine uh, uh, Skywalker episodes. It's just not. Um, Galaxy's Edge is going to be great. But, you know, if there's ever a sequel to Galaxy's Edge, it's not going to be great. I mean, this is just human nature, right? So the question is, what was it about this thing on day one that mattered so much to the people who were sitting in that theater on a spring day in 1977 that made it what it is today that's what i wanted to remind people about and that's what i think we've forgotten
0: you're absolutely right there mark how long did it take you to put together this whole uh, spectrum of of information that you wanted to then turn into some kind of audio production did you uh did you have you got like a million Post-it notes everywhere, or if you got it a bit more structured? And how did you dive into that whole research process?
2: All right, well, I'll, I'll answer that, but let me address your your, your point real quick uh, uh, first. Uh, it, you know, people forget that before that day in 1977, um, there were no wipes. There was no used science fiction universe. Um, there weren't lightsabers. Uh, there weren't starships moving fast, having dogfights in outer space. These things didn't exist. I mean, it's 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 like it's hard for people to understand that all the stuff today taken for granted, well, what colors are lightsaber? You know, these things didn't exist. There was a before and there was an after, and that was the fulcrum in that moment. And I've often I've often asked people, um, do you, I, I've, I've said, you know, when you really think about the import of the original Star Wars, I said, let's suppose so Luke is racing down the trench to, to kill the Death Star. Um, let's suppose instead of moving that visor away and using the force, let's suppose he uses the computer. Do you think that people would still uh, respond the same way to that movie and all the movies that followed it? <laughs> would it be the same movie? Let me ask you guys, what do you think? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was the central thing. All of a sudden, here in the, it, it, you know, it, it, we had the echo of Vietnam. We had movies like Apocalypse Now. We had a time when, you know, when spaceships were slow moving, 2001. I mean, they literally crawled across the screen. Uh, we had uh, um, uh, no stories of hope. We had no uh, um, uh, fairy tales for kids. And then all of a sudden there's this. And and what's the message at the end? The message at the end is that if you really want to destroy this obstacle, you have to trust yourself. I mean, (laughs) that message is what made Star Wars what it was. And it's what made Star Wars what it is. Now, let me answer your question. Um, Unless you guys want to respond to that uh, diatribe.
0: I uh, need to agree with you <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely I think you covered that
1: beautifully. I've, I've got a follow-up question that we might get into later which is part of the uh, part of the question for later but please yeah dig into dig into the research process We're super okay curious. So,
2: yeah so I mean I had a slew of books this is now the the fourth one of these I've I've done wait one two three I've got to count them I, 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 I one two three four yeah it's the fourth big one we also did one for the movie Philadelphia for for Coke but that's a separate issue so last November, I started gathering materials, uh, books, uh, internet stuff, whatever was available. And I have a a tote bag of about 10 books. And uh, I, I, you know, spanned those books. I went through those books, underlining all kinds of stuff, brought notes together. Tried to figure out what the story was, first of all, because, again, it's not a documentary. I don't care about a documentary. You know, if you want to see a documentary on the making of Star Wars, go to YouTube Buy the DVD. You know, look online. You'll find them. I didn't care about that. I wanted to create a more interesting story that people hadn't heard before. And this particular one weaves together a lot of the sources that I found. I have two books from Alec Guinness. I have a book from Peter Cushing. I have the I have a book from Carrie Fisher, Princess Diarist. I have uh, the the Brian J. Jones biography of George Lucas. I have two or three other books. Uh, about Star Wars. I have the making of Star Wars from J.W. Rinsler. All of these came together and I pulled from them what I found compelling. You know, the effort is not to be comprehensive. I don't care about being comprehensive. It's not, not a documentary should be the subtitle of the show. Um, What I care about is being compelling. I care about being interesting. I care about creating a story. I care about making you care about what the people I'm uh, talking about. Uh, and I care about making you feel something through and at the end of this process that you didn't feel before. That's what every uh, compelling dramatic podcast should do. That's what every compelling dramatic television and film uh, thing should do. So that's the, that's the process. So that began in November. That lasted a couple of months. I spent about six weeks writing. Then once we finalized the, uh, the, 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 the script... And It really is a script. Uh, it's me doing all the, the the people, but it's but it's in script form. Uh, once we did that, uh, we recorded. The recording took another five or six weeks or so, and then the production took it, you know uh, at least a week uh, for each episode. My production partner is an amazing talent. Jeff Schmidt is his name, and he's done all the inside stuff. And he just does stuff that breaks ground like 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 nobody else does. Um, and uh, that's the process. So it finished um, just about a week before, a week or two weeks before the first episode was set to debut in May. <laughs> so, so uh, we didn't drag our feet, and the process took five to six months.
1: Wow! And the, the depth is is fantastic as well. What, what impresses me about everything that Wonder puts together actually is the depth. And one one kind of follow up question to that, then Mark is. You, you really captured the whole feel of the time, of the era you've captured. Just everything has had so much thought and detail put into that. One thing I, I noticed immediately when I tuned into Inside Star Wars was even the music fits just absolutely perfectly. Mm-hmm. So how important was it for you to get into that detail and, and, and like you said, make people feel like perhaps they felt back in 1977 and beyond? How important was that and how did you manage to
2: achieve that? Well, you'll you'll particularly hear that in the final scene when we go into a theater in 1977. And there there you have the... Because keep in mind, we have legal issues. Uh, We need to lean into the music stylistically, but we can't use the actual music. (laughs) So, I mean, all of these series have had that in common. They all, you know, try and tell the story of the makings and the people behind these films and do so without using the actual... Um, uh, copywritten content um, or using clips from the actual movie, so uh, it's it's really quite a challenge finding mu- you know it's like it's it, it, finding music that's like Star Wars is not the easiest thing in the world. John Williams is a very particular uh, flavor, uh, but that's what that was the challenge set down. The same goes true for the sounds of the droids, um, where we had to be cautious. You know, those are all. Uh, Lucasfilm trademark uh, sounds. So uh, we had to kind of invent things that sounded like uh, familiar, you know, kind of close but no cigar, uh, because that was the legal uh, constraint that we were under. But still, when you're committed to tell a story, and tell a story with as much, you know, versimilitude as you can, um, that's the the way to do it. And uh, again, Jeff Schmidt, my production partner, is just amazing at that.
0: I think you went down a similar road to the uh, movie Fanboys by Carl Newman uh, back in 2009, where a lot of people were surprised that, uh, apart from the opening uh, crawl, uh, because they were in the same situation, they they weren't allowed to use the the copywritten music from from John Williams or anything. So Mm -hmm. the opening crawl is very obvious, you know, that's not Star Wars. But throughout the rest of the film, there are all these music cues. And for a second, you stop and think, was that in the soundtrack? Because it it sounds just like it. If it's not in there, and it's the same thing as Mark mentioned with, with your show, is that in the score or not? Because it sounds just <laughs> like this bit from whatever film it was. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, who was the, the your, answer? Your colleague? Is no. <laughs> the, answer <laughs> the answer is, is no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so your colleague, um, what was his name? Sorry, Jeff Schmidt. Jeff Schmidt. Yeah, uh, a fantastic uh, uh, effort on on all of the of the production mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, just brilliant mm-hmm. as Mark said.
1: Was there anything as you were producing this, Mark? So as you as you were kind of scripting this and you were you were planning the story, but as you said, this, is, this has got a very definitive beginning, middle, and end as, inside Star Wars. Has been produced to have that. Was there anything that you wish you could have covered that you perhaps didn't have the time for, or anything that you would have gone a little deeper into that perhaps you didn't quite get the flexibility to do?
2: That's a great question. I think I can honestly say the answer is no. Um, because so much was available, you know, there's not, uh, I mean, I don't have a ton on, uh, Mark Hamill, for example, but in large part, that's because Mark Hamill is just not the most interesting person on set. Um, Carrie Fisher is just infinitely more interesting. And that's that's why I spend so much time on Carrie and also because she has a definitive trajectory. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, she she begins, as you heard in the first two episodes, um, in the arms of Debbie Reynolds, who has just been, you know, humiliated by Carrie's father and Debbie's husband uh, because he ran off to be with Elizabeth Taylor. She goes from being convinced that she doesn't want to ever be an actor to being exactly that. And then getting this lucky break in this thing called Star Wars and assuming that, you know, the crappy hairstyle and all that, that's, that's coming, by the way. The crappy hairstyle will—at <laughs> least it'll be over when the movie's over. She'll never have to deal with that again, you know. Little did she know um, <laughs> at the time. So it's—I it's, uh, it's, it, I can honestly say the only thing I think I wish I could have done w- would be, you know, if I, if I ever could use SCORE— that would be fabulous. I would love to be able to use score. And I think uh, if series like these are ever done under the uh, the you know the aegis of uh, the studios, which own the rights, then it's a whole different story. I mean, if, you know, if uh, I guess at this point it would be Disney, but if Disney were to uh, authorize the use of, of that material for... A podcast, that would be fabulous. But they would have to produce the content in order for it to make that possible. And I think they've got bigger fish to fry right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see that, that, that kind of fan level, not fan level, because that alludes to it being fan produced content, but content that is kind of peripheral to the main content that a studio puts out that can service the fans like a podcast or like the audio dramas that they're putting out via Audible and so on. It would be really, really interesting to see that happen, but I agree they've probably got bigger fish to fry right now. And one thing that I was, I was considering as I was, I was finishing up episode 2 was that listening to this myself as a Star Wars fan, there was plenty in there that surprised me. There was plenty in there that made me think a little differently about Star Wars and about the production that went into it and the hardships in the desert and just just that whole range of things that you have to go through when you're making a film like that. Was there anything that came out during this production that really Surprised you? Anything that that shocked you or rocked you a little bit, or anything that you just didn't have down as 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 ever ever having happened? What surprised you with
2: this? Well, I think what surprised me the most was that um, the uh, studio behind the film, if you can call them behind the film, Fox, (laughs) um, was uh, so um, um, was was barely on board with the project. Uh, and at one point, put the project on ice, put everything on hold. I mean, Lucas was forever under no more agreement than an agreement to write the script for $10,000. That lasted for a couple of years. That was the extent of Fox's commitment. Um, they could uh, at any point, uh, for any reason, just say, yeah, now we change our mind. It's too complicated, too expensive, too fuzzy, too weird. Um, and back out. They could have done that. And they came very, very close to doing that. And it was only because of the uh, head of production, Alan Ladd Jr., that they ultimately didn't. And even he came close to doing it. So it was a pretty remarkable story. It's just how close this thing we take for granted, this, you know, tent pole of the Disney company, how close this thing came to never existing at all. Um, that's something that I think, is surprising. And then uh, some of the, and again, I think all of these series have in common the idea that they show that, you know, people with dreams need to hold on to those dreams um, if they are to come true. That if you look to others to be the reason why your dream comes true, if you look to them for all your encouragement, if you look to them uh, for all the pats on the back, for all the support, for all the money, um, for all the assistance. Um, you're looking in the wrong place. And ultimately, isn't that the theme of the original movie? <laughs> that what you were watching on the screen there, when Luke pushes aside the viewfinder and trusts in himself, well, that's the reason why the movie got made. Because George Lucas did exactly that. And all of the people surrounding it um, uh, were able to achieve what they did in the presence of that sacrifice that vision and that commitment and that incredible risk that he took i mean if he hadn't had the success with american graffiti that he had you're going to hear about that in in this week's episode he wouldn't have had any money to keep star wars going and if he didn't have any money to keep star wars going nobody else was going to give it to him uh it would have been gone so he owes star wars to american graffiti
0: (laughs) absolutely yes it's um it's those earlier battles or those earlier struggles, if you like, that, that ended up um, contributing to, the, like, the end game, if you like, as you yeah, said. Yeah,
2: and wait, I'll tell you, yeah. what's interesting, too, is that those early struggles, once the film was successful, he could do whatever he wanted. He could make the three movies, et cetera. And then the friction started. The backlash began, right? That happens in about episode, uh, uh, I think, six. Um The backlash, when he starts changing things, he starts... It's like I was talking with my production partner, Jeff, yesterday. And we said, you know, if there were things we could change, we could go back and change, we probably would. And I said, that's exactly what George Lucas did. (laughs) So, you know, but at a certain point, you give birth to it, you put it out in the world, people get used to it, and you got to let it go. And that's really one of the underlying themes of the series was, you know, a few years ago, he sat with, you know, the folks at Disney... Um, and he had to say the words, I'm ready to sell Lucasfilm. I'm ready to sell Star Wars. He had to say those words and they had to, he had to sign that document. And I can tell you, at least the way I portrayed him, all the money in the world wouldn't have made signing that document any easier because he was saying goodbye to 40 years of his life. And that's a big deal. I don't care. And you can say, well, yeah, but he got a lot of money. He didn't do it for the money. <laughs> he didn't do any of it for the money. He didn't start. He didn't have any money when he started the project. Um, he was borrowing money from his parents to get through that project. He didn't do any of it for the money, guys. He did it because it was his dream to bring this to life, and um, and th- and that I think that just serves as a lesson to all of us. It certainly does,
0: and you put it in a wonderful way, Mark the the entire essence of what George was about in his younger years where he just didn't give up he had that dream and and uh and he just pushed forward and it, it, it's it's a wonderful way of it's almost idealistic life isn't it it's that you know you you fight for what you dream for you fight for what you what you want to do and if you you fight long enough and you keep going you know you you, you push the, the the computer aside and you go with your your, your gut instinct and everything and and away you go. You've done it. So,
2: uh, and but that's, you put that but, very, and that's it. Yeah. And that's, see, that's it. That's what he did. That's what he was telling all those kids in those theaters in 1977. Uh, they said, you know, he was saying, don't doubt yourself. Trust yourself. You can do this. Whatever's ailing you, you can fight it. You can come out on top. That Death Star isn't out there. It's in here. And you can destroy it uh, if you trust yourself. I mean, and that's why that thing resonated and resonates still. And we owe- every piece of the star wars universe to that moment agreed absolutely agreed yes uh
0: and in terms of so we've we covered plenty of, of of inside star wars and and i i speak for everyone and say we can't wait for the next bunch of episodes uh to come through that the couple that mark and i have listened to have been absolutely brilliant so far so th- that's going to be awesome But what's next, though? So after Inside Star Wars, what have you got lined up? What's the next Inside thing going to be?
2: Well, um, that's a good question. And I don't have a good answer for you because the reality is that uh, we're involved on multiple projects right now uh, and not just things in the Inside category. Uh, There's a project that we're working on with um, uh, uh, a fully scripted project that we're working on with David Harbour from Stranger Things and Sarah Wayne Callies from Walking Dead and Jeffrey Dean Morgan from Walking Dead. There's another project that we're working on that's fully scripted uh, or that will be fully scripted that's horror anthology called Fear that we're shopping right now. Um, and uh, I've got another thing that, that uh, we worked on that debuts in October uh, called The Undercovers, Uh, that is about undercover narco uh, 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 cops uh, that's hosted by Ed O'Neill from Modern Family. So we've got all kinds of stuff we're working on. And where things are going to go next year, we're not sure yet. Um, We haven't made any promises yet on another chapter of Inside. Uh, But we have lots of interest in lots of areas. So I think you're going to be hearing more work from us uh, soon. I know in October you're going to be hearing more. Uh, and more after that. It may sound different from inside, or it may be like inside. We're not sure yet, but uh, hopefully it'll be good. That's the common denominator. We always want it to be good. <laughs> well, so far you
1: have not let us down at all. Everything is exceptional. And and just thank you, number one, for doing what you do. It's it's just like George Lucas. You know, it's not easy to, to put these things together. It's it's not easy to stick to them when it gets difficult. So. To, so, much, so many congratulations from all of us on just everything that you've done and the, here's to all of the continued success that you receive. And, and thank you so much for doing this. It's been a real pleasure. I speak for all of the listeners in, in saying that it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Mark.
2: Oh, it's, it's my great pleasure to be here with you guys and, and talk about this. And, you know, it's like it's so easy for people to kind of put this in a box and say, oh, it's about the making of Star Wars. Oh, it's a documentary. Oh, you know, No. This is a story that's as big a canvas as uh, the the story behind the original movie, which involved people and what they were going through and their wins and losses and sacrifices and achievements and lives and deaths in some cases. It's just a huge, huge canvas, and I'm so excited to be able to share this with, with the people who are listening to it and with you guys. So thank you for this opportunity.
1: It's a real pleasure, and that's beautifully summed up. Now, as a Spark Rebellion listener, you... Well, of course, absolutely adore listening to Inside Star Wars. So if you haven't already, please go and check it out. It's completely for free in any app where you can find podcasts. Please, please go and check it out. And, Mark, once again, thank you so much.
2: Oh, it's my great pleasure. And, again, thank you, guys, and congratulations on your success, and I'm happy to be a part of it for this episode.
0: Thank you very much, Mark.
1: Thank you so much, sir. Okay, so random spotlight time, Then you know what the random spotlight means. It means that we pick something from, not only from a galaxy far, far away, but from an obscure corner of a galaxy far, far away. Something that you've maybe heard of before, something maybe that you haven't heard of before. And today we are picking something that I think was first seen in A Phantom Menace on Mr. Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Today's random spotlight is... That weird little Padawan hair braid. The weird little Padawan hair braid, which is intended to signify that a Jedi is still in training. And according to Wikipedia, it's supposed to be worn on the right-hand side of the hair and should a Padawan graduate to become a full-on Jedi Knight by passing the Jedi trials and or killing a Sith for the first time in a thousand years, the little hair braid gets lopped off with a lightsaber, which scares me to death. (laughs) <laughs> Just got to put that one in there. That's a little dangerous, but also, if they're disgraced as a Padawan, so something that happened happened to a Tano, this is this is pretty brutal. The, the The braid gets ripped off, so someone rips your hair out, guys. So that's that's nice. Um, And according to, again, according to Wikipedia, digging through the pages of that and looking back at some of the films, like I said, this is supposed to be worn on the right-hand side. We've seen it on Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've seen it on some of the younglings and and, and all of the, um, throughout the Clone Wars and so on. And oftentimes in the movies, you will see this in the wrong position where... In post-production, they've maybe flipped a scene around. They've changed the orientation of it. Sometimes it switches sides, which, again, according to Wikipedia, is a complete mistake. It's not done on purpose. Uh, So the Padawan hair braid is the random spotlight for this episode. Gary, are we getting
0: one? getting one each? Padawan hair braid each? (laughs) Um, Well, uh, it depends. I mean, we're kind of rocking some sweet do's right now. I don't really want to... You know, we're we're at the height of hair fashion right now. So I don't want to jeopardize that. But I think if there was a gap in the market where hair braids were to come back, then absolutely, man, let's do it.
1: I Uh, feel like with my terribly, terribly receding hairline, I would basically look like some kind of 80s rocker trying to pull off some kind of weird midlife crisis. (laughs) And I mean, that would not work well for my street cred. As low as it is already, you can always go lower, so yeah, maybe maybe only if the masses um want to want to hair braid as well. We should get one. It reminds me of like being in Tenerife. You can almost imagine like you know Qui Gon Jinn's just passed away. You know Anakin's been brought into the Jedi Order. Obi Wan's like, I will train him, Master. You're like, all right, fair play. But <laughs> Mace Windu in the first instance is like, take a holiday, Kenobi. So. <laughs> Takes little Anakin on his first little holiday to Tenerife, which is insensitive because he hates sand. But first thing he does, walking on the front, gets a one euro sweet corn, and then they both get a hair braid. Imagine that! I reckon that is how that happened. Um, so you just this is this is not canon, just so you know. Obi Wan and Anakin Skywalker going to Tenerife for a little holiday is not canon. But I reckon that maybe we should maybe we should tweet Pablo Hidalgo and try and get him to write that into the
0: canon. Are you sure that's not canon? Because it sounds canon. Does sound legit, doesn't it? I understand that. <laughs> Hidalgo would be like, "What are you talking about? We've already done it." Yeah, it's in a, here's a comic book, book somewhere. Yeah. Here's the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Tenerife on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I think. Mm, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm up for having one. I'm up for having one. But what's the maintenance like? Because I assume you have to grow. You have to grow a bit of a mullet first, which could oh, be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I never thought of that. That's dangerous territory, man.
1: It takes me back to being 17, 18. In fact, like back in two, can remember like in 2001 when mullets kind of came back and everyone kind of <laughs> had that long bit at the back? I remember having one of those and I used to straighten it as well. And I I imagine that's basically Anakin getting ready every morning. So he like pulls on his robes, gets a little bit angry, looks into the mirror, has a little bit of a dark flash, wonders what, you know, why does he feel so sad all the time? Then straightens the back of his his hair, ready to braid it. And just is, in my mind, is continually late for meeting Obi-Wan. So, you know, five past nine. It's never nine o'clock, it's five past. And you just imagine that (laughs) Obi-Wan is just absolutely wrecking him all the time for it. Um, And I I feel like we are adding to the canon greatly here, by the way. (laughs)
0: This this is good stuff.
1: Yeah, the Wikipedia page for, uh, for Anakin Skywalker now will read, someone will edit it and now will read, was always late due to hair braiding. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and i also got this image in my mind of anakin just in the morning taking up the bathroom because he's got some hair straighteners plugged in <laughs> he's doing his thing and then you got padme pacing up and down like what's this I, I didn't sign up for this you're supposed to be a jedi you're supposed to be like this you know you're the protector the manly not man, in our relationship anyway you're meant to be like the the protector the manly figure the dude that takes care of it and here you are straightening your hair doing your braids She's just miffed off of it. She's like, I can't he's handle this.
1: Like, he's just all about, I hate curly hair.
0: It's coarse. <laughs> it gets everywhere. She's like, not again. <laughs> oh man, who who would have thought that? I mean, this could have been an important consideration when they were writing this stuff because, you know, with the, the costume design phase of making a film is obviously very important. And for the principal characters like Jedi's and the Padawans, you have to get that nailed. So this stuff could have come up in that early writing process, where George Lucas is like, "Dudes, have we considered this? Because you've thrown in the hair braid, which I love, all good, but is this going to complicate things with the morning scene, with the bathroom, with Anakin and Padme, and it's going this could have, you know, typhooned out of control?
1: It could have, it could have been the downfall of the prequels, as if they didn't have enough problems already." You know, someone would have uh, picked up on that one. But it's a bit of a weird thing. I understand why they did it. And you've got this Padawan hairbread that is, you know, that does signify that a Padawan is a Padawan. And I understand it's a cultural thing. And in, in there are various things throughout the history of human culture, various cultures across the planet that that do things like this. Um, but it's just a bit pointless. It's just a way of saying, in this film, here is the boss here is the person that is not the boss. That's basically it, isn't it?
0: Um, Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I I think it's just a visual way, isn't it? Uh, uh, Alongside the usual uh, stuff of having it within script. This is just a visual cue to say, you know, these dudes with the braids, they're Padawans, they're not quite the Jedi Knights yet. So that's how you distinguish very quickly and visually on screen. You know, that's their thing. So, yeah.
1: And the other one is, uh, of course, a beard. You know, qui mm. beard. Obi-Wan as a Padawan, no beard. Gets a bit older, grows a beard. Now he's a Jedi Master. Anakin, no beard, still a Padawan. And you just think, had that followed the trajectory, would we have got a bearded Darth Vader? And that's another piece of the canon we need to explore.
0: Absolutely. And no coincidence that you and I have beards. So what exactly. does that, what does that Kieran, tell
1: yeah. At work, he doesn't. So oh. I must be the boss. You might.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he'll be thrilled.
1: to <laughs> hear I'm going to buy him a hair braid. It's like only fools and horses, you know, when Rodney's got that hair piece and Cassandra's like, there's a rat on the floor and it's not, it's his hair piece that he's thrown down the back of the sofa. I'm going to do that to Kieran. I'm definitely going to do that to Kieran. I'm going to buy him like a little hair braid and pop it on the back of his, on the back of his coat. So he doesn't even realize that he's, uh, he's, he's sporting it when he's driving home.
0: <laughs> if only for the, you know, for the public. They'll, they'll look at you guys and instantly think, oh, we know what we know what's going on in this relationship. We can see." Yeah, that that is instantly the conclusion
1: they'll jump to. They'll see that they'll see <laughs> the hairpiece, a terrible beard from me, and they'll be like, "That's obviously Star Wars. That he's the boss."
0: <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, I love these random spotlights. They are the, <laughs> the, the the highlight of the show so far for me, man. Who would have thought that talking about Padawan's braids? Braids, yeah, Padawan braids. <laughs> I can't. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> blue braids. milk. What about that blue milk? Oh, let's get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mention the um, them getting ripped off if they leave the order? Did you mention that?
1: Yeah. So if they like, yeah. not if I don't know if it's if they leave the order. Wait a minute. I might still have uh, Wikipedia Let's have a quick goose. I think it was more like if they,
0: or if they get expelled. Sorry.
1: Yes, that's right. If they yeah. get expelled, the braid was ripped off. As happened. To a Tano. That's it. Um, yeah, yeah. Good lord, that's not nice, is it?
0: That's harsh. That's hurt that as really well. Really is. Yeah.
1: Oof. Yeah. Well, the Padawan Hairbraid is a random spotlight for the day. We'll put the link to Wikipedia. I'm sure you don't want to read more about it, but you know that's what the random spotlight exists for. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoyed that little segment there because it, it was a little bizarre, but. Uh, what we got coming up next week, my man? What uh, what are we going to dig into? There's going to be some news, I am sure that we're unaware of. Um, but there's there's a few things uh, in our Trello board that we might cover next week. Um, so things like Ryan Johnson talking about the Last Jedi and uh, a few of the a few of the kind of tips and tricks from Galaxy's Edge. So should be a good one next week. Is there anything uh, anything that you can think of that we're popping in the show for next week?
0: Uh, yeah, so we we've got those news bits to talk through at some point, and then. In terms of review and discussion, that's going to be uh, a bit of a, you have to wait and see. Um, largely because we're very disorganized and merely hours before we start recording, <laughs> we'll put something in there. So uh, we've got a fairly good, uh, we will put. We normally put a bit of uh, news across the, uh, the Trello board ready for next week. So we know what we're going to do for news, but I've got a couple of ideas for the random spotlight. But yeah, I'm not going to say now because, yeah, it's going to have to be a bit of a... Listen next week. We're going back to the old cliffhangers from the old TV days. Listen next week to find out. But uh, all I'll say is this. It's not blue milk, isn't It's not food or drink related.
1: <laughs> That's probably a good thing. We always digress on, uh, <laughs> on those ones. Mind you, Paddo and hairbread is not food based. And look where that went. Yeah, true, man. Well, cool, man. This has been a good episode. I enjoyed this one. Well, the interview was fantastic. Really enjoyed that. And, and again, big thank you and big shout out to Mark Ramsey. If you go and check him out on Twitter, just let him know that you heard this. At Mark Ramsey Media and at Wondery. Wouldn't like the word wonder with the Y on the end. is the network that produces that. So please go and check out inside Star Warscom for that one and go and, check, go and check us out on Patreon as well which is at Patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion and uh, my man, man Gary a, let's sign up sign us off in that inimitable fashion.
0: Thank you Ryan uh, it's been great uh, talking Star Wars as always with you buddy remember to go and check us out on social media Facebook, Instagram and Twitter just a search for Spark of Rebellion give us a like and a follow over there so we can uh, chat with you during the week between podcasts and join the community there join the Rebellion as we've coined the phrase. You can also find us over at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. You can support, support. You can support the show if you like what you hear. There are various tiers. They are ranging from a dollar upwards. You can get some sweet swag there and also some cool uh, things like executive producer credits and being able to hang out with us and also uh, contribute to unlocking um, a future show that we want to do alongside the podcast. So head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. If you want to support the show and uh, until next week for episode 10, have a good one and may the force be with you always.